All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Monday, one week before Christmas. Very excited. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping, we've got some ideas for you. We're going to cover that in a few minutes on the show here. But let's give you a heads up. Tonight, we're going to break a major story on Just the News. It will confirm with documents that the Justice Department spied on the House Intelligence Committee back in 2017 when it was investigating Russia collusion, unraveling the FBI misconduct and abuses omissions, misleading of the FISA court that occurred. The DOJ used grand jury subpoenas to spy on some of the key investigators working for Congressman Devin Nunes. The receipts are going to be put out. We're going to give you the grand jury subpoenas. We're going to tell you what happened. We're going to interview some of the people that were involved. We're going to give you the story. Check that out tonight. Tomorrow, we'll make a big discussion about it here on this show. But right now, we want to really focus on what we have ahead today. We've got a great show coming ahead for us, starting off with my good friend in Israel, former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren. He's here to tell us about the new government that Benjamin Netanyahu is about to install and what's on tap. There's already some big international developments in India, the Biden administration agreeing to continue to move ahead with the Trump plan to have a U.S.-Israel remain and be built in Jerusalem. That was a very big action that Donald Trump took. Joe Biden's not reversing it, contrary to what a lot of people thought. Ambassador Orrin's going to give us the latest on that. Benjamin Netanyahu is already announcing one of his first foreign trips in 2023. Going to go to India. We're going to explain why that's important. Some pretty significant and ugly stuff going on between Israel and the New York Times. I think some of you saw the story over the weekend that the New York Times crossword puzzle resembled a swastika. A lot of people very concerned about that. But I think the bigger issue is an editorial that was written by the New York Times editorial staff this Sunday suggesting that Israel is not a democracy anymore or headed towards not being a democracy after an election where like 70 plus percent of the country voted. Wait a second. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I'll ask Ambassador Orrin. Maybe he can make sense of what's going on there. A lot of vitriol between the New York Times and Israel at this moment, and a really important moment. Another interesting thing, Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, 
prodding the United States to show more support for Saudi Arabia. Now, that is a headline. Who would have thought five years ago, 10 years ago, that would be the dynamic that the U.S. would be less concerned about Saudi Arabia than Israel was in terms of friendship. That is one of the many growths, outgrowths of the Trump administration's Sunni Arab negotiations that led to the Abraham Accords. A lot of people feel like Saudi Arabia is the next country to go in, but the Sunni Arabs closer and closer with Israel as the threat from Iran becomes more and more real to all of the players in that region. Ambassador Oren's going to get us up to speed on that. In the second half of the show, we're going to bring in John Zadrozny. He is a former Homeland Security and Immigration Advisor to President Trump, currently at America First Legal. We're just a few days away from Title 42 being lifted. A lot of people on the show have told you they think it'll be an avalanche of more migrants on top of the quarter million already crossing the border right now. John's going to give us the latest. And also, what are some of the pressure points and tools that House Republicans can use to force Biden to enforce the law that isn't being enforced now? And does that require, or could it require, would there be a penalty if Republicans held out and shut down the government to try to close the border? That's a question a lot of people are asking. We're going to ask that of John. Also, some interesting documents that America First Legal, where John Zadrozny currently works, have brought forth one on election integrity in Arizona, another on some gender training that was going on at the Justice Department. We're going to tackle all that because America First has its finger in a lot of important drinks. It's constantly stirring, trying to get accountability information out to you and I, the American taxpayers, so we can make better judgments about our government. John's going to bring us up to speed on all of those legal wranglings. So Ambassador Michael Orrin, followed by John Zadrozny, former Trump advisor, back to back on a Monday morning edition or Monday edition of John Solomon's Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Now, I mentioned, hey, you're only six, seven days from Christmas. You might be panicked. You're feeling kind of uptight. Do what I did over the weekend. I told you last week about the fact that we have a tradition in the Solomon family. We like to grill out on Christmas weekend. We, we do one outdoor grilling. Yeah, it might be cold, might be snowy, might be rainy. We don't care. We fire up the grill. We take out our Omaha steaks and we put them on the grill. And we have a great steak dinner, restaurant quality steak dinner brought into your home. Well, you can do the exact same thing. And, you know, this week, this year, Judy and I, my wife and I said, hey, we want to encourage more of my family to do this tradition. So my brother, my father, others, we bought Omaha steaks, had them shipped to their house. They come freeze-dried, ready to go. Everybody's happy. They're ready in the freezer. You throw them out in the grill in a few minutes. You're having a restaurant-quality steak dinner in your own home. So we're trying to encourage it. But if you want to do the same thing, well, our good friends at Omaha Steaks have created a very special offer for this week only. And you got to go quickly. You got to move quickly. You go to omahasteaks.com. You're going to get 50% off, 50% off, half off everything on the site. Plus, if you use the word just news at code at checkout, you get an additional $30 off your order. This makes it unbelievably inexpensive to send some of the greatest steaks and chicken and juicy burgers and comfort meals that you ever have. And they can be made in a flash. That's a great thing. They're ready. They're frozen. They've come right to your door. It's so convenient. You throw them in the freezer. You pull them out when you're ready, like on Christmas weekend, like we're going to do. So one more time, go to omahasteaks.com and get 50% off site-wide, plus $30 off by using the code JUSTNEWS at checkout. Remember that out. Check it out. I have a favorite. If you haven't tried it before, check out the packages that come with the butcher's cut filet mignon. 
It is unbelievable. My wife likes the air-chilled boneless chicken. That's another good one. If you're a chicken lover, some of the best chicken you're ever going to have right brought to your door. So use the Just News code, $30 off plus 50% this week only. Go check it out. Don't waste a moment. It's not too late to send Omaha Steaks as a holiday gift this year. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, former Ambassador Michael Oren, followed by John Zadrozny, two great conversations about security around the world at the border right after these commercial messages. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always excited to have this next guest on. By the way, one of my favorite authors of all time. If you haven't read Swan's War, you are missing one of the great books of 2022. He's the former Israeli ambassador to the United States and really one of the greatest security thinkers in the world. Former Ambassador Michael Oren joins the show. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you back on. Oh, it's just wonderful, John. Thank you for that very warm introduction. Terrific. Thank you. It's heartfelt. Swan's War is an amazing piece of literature, and you have so much perspective. And I think a lot of the things we've talked about over the last two years are starting to come fruition as we begin to see the full impact of the Biden foreign policy on the globe. I want to start with something that I think is pretty shocking. Obama-Biden create the original nuclear pact with Iran. Iran gets lots of cash. Iran starts making new weaponry. And now Iran is shipping its wares, its military wares that we help fund to Russia so they can help fight our ally, Ukraine, in this proxy war. When and how did America get in a proxy war with Iran? You, you can't make this up, can you? Because the, the, the assumption back in 2015 was that if you made a nuclear arrangement with Iran and you gave Iran $100 billion in cash, that Iran would come become, quote unquote, a responsible regional power, quote unquote, of the Obama administration. And guess what? Iran took the $100 billion and didn't build schools and hospitals, uh, build missiles and build drones. And it's those drones and those missiles that are now showing up on the battlefields uh, in the hands of Russians to kill Ukrainians who are backed by the United States. So it's, it's what is it? Coming back to roost. And um, and now you have a proxy war. But you got to remember that this proxy war is being funded a, ultimately um, by 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 that a nuclear deal <laughs> funded by by funds that were made available by the United States and the co-signatories to that agreement. So, you know, I hope that people have internalized uh, that Iran is not going to be a responsible regional power and that, in fact, the United States and its allies in the Middle East, Israel, uh, the Gulf states, particularly Saudi Arabia, we're all on the same side here and we're facing common enemies. Yeah, such an amazing thing and, and a real tribute to the decades-long effort of soon-to-be Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel trying to create bonds that hadn't been there before. Obviously, they gained a lot during the Trump years, but this is really the result of decades of real careful work in moving everybody towards a coalition. Now, you mentioned proxy wars, and there seems to be another proxy war going on, but it's the strangest of places. It's the New York Times against Israel. They had this extraordinary op-ed editorial this week and actually suggesting that democracy in the Jewish state was in jeopardy, that somehow Benjamin Netanyahu had put democracy in jeopardy by being elected. I thought elections were the ultimate example of democracy. What's going on with the New York Times and its attacks on Israel? New York Times has been trying to delegitimize us for a very, very long time, but uh, there's nothing unusual about that proxy war, unfortunately. But uh, you know, Israel, in its, its, we had five elections. That was, that was a hard thing. We had five elections in about two years. But we had 72% of the population uh, voting. It, that, that number, that percentage is unthinkable in the United States and most democracies in the world. And people come out and vote. And even in the Arab part of Israel, we had over 50% uh, of Arabs in Israel voting. Uh, that's extraordinary. It's a, it's a great vote in confidence of our democratic system. Israel is one of the maybe five countries in the world, John, United States, Australia, New Zealand, that has never known a second of non-democratic governance. And we're the only country on that list that's never known a second of peace. And what kills democracies all the time are wars and upheavals. We've never had a second of non-democratic governance. And I think, you know, the New York Times made me want to respect us a little bit for that and respect the, the, the intelligence of Israeli voters going to the polls. 
you know, what can you do? Democracy, sometimes people get elected who, you know, maybe not be to my, you know, my liking, both in the United States and here. Um, but that is the price of democracy. Would you rather not have, rather not have a democracy and only have us like, you know, assign people to, to, to offices who are more acceptable to the New York Times? So that, is that what they want? You know, democracy is thriving here. And, uh, and yes, you know, we're going to have some challenges with some of the people in this government who are <laughs> a little bit outside of the envelope. Um, but there's no danger to democracy in this country. On the, on the contrary, democracy here is, is once again proven to be very, very resilient, resilient and, um, you know, irrepressible, really. It's remarkable to watch the Biden administration because there was a lot of rhetoric at the beginning of the administration about what they're going to do. And, and they continue to pursue this elusive Iran deal. But there were reports this weekend that the Biden administration was going to go ahead and continue to leave the embassy in Jerusalem. That's a pretty big concession by the Biden administration, isn't it? I think that uh, I think the, the Biden administration generally could keep in mind. Let's be fair here. Joe Biden is not Barack Obama. His administration is not Obama 2.0 as far as we're concerned. You know, Obama used to condemn us every time we put a brick on a brick uh, anywhere over what was called the 1967 borders. Um, and we had constant, constant crises. We haven't had crises with this administration. And yet we got differences. I think that the Biden administration is also a lot of pressure internally from its progressive wing who aren't happy that the, that the White House hasn't come down on us like a, like a ton of bricks. Um, and they're not happy that the, the Iran nuclear deal wasn't renewed. And they're not happy that the consul, consulate in East Jerusalem was not reopened by this administration. They're not happy. Um, and so, you know, all, all uh, politics, a little bit, all foreign policy, a little bit domestic here, also in the United States. We understand that. But we have policy differences and we're going to have policy differences on the on the peace process that uh, that that and that and other oxymorons, the peace process. And uh, and I think a little less under the uh, on the Iran issue, because I think people have internalized in, in Washington that with, with Iran providing these weapons to kill Ukrainians backed by the United States. In addition, the Iranian regime is killing its own people in the street, including you know hundreds of women who are just protesting for freedom. How do you make a deal with this regime? How do you give this regime, you know, 100 billion dollars? Uh, it's just not going to happen. And I don't think this White House is going to do it. Yeah, very important. Meanwhile, as Prime Minister Netanyahu puts together his government, there are pretty clear signs of what he's going to try to do. He's going to have a big trip to India. That's a big ally, that a big opportunity for continued alliance there. Discussions also urging the United States to better support Saudi Arabia. I never thought in my lifetime we'd have to be reminded of that, but a pretty important moment. And reminded by whom? Yes, by <laughs> the Israelis. By, the, by Prime Minister of Israel. Exactly. That's interesting. It is an right. amazing moment. Tell us what's at work there. I mean, obviously, the relationship between Saudi Arabia and the United States is very strained. It is strained, and it's it, it, and it is a shame because it's precisely the, the the time when we need a strong U.S. Saudi uh, alliance uh, against Iran and against the Iranian Russian access now, and uh, it, it's absolutely crucial. We want you know we we will look forward to the day when you know Saudis will open up an embassy in Israel and we'll be able to open up an embassy in Riyadh, uh, and I hope that day is not too far off. But what would certainly help. Would be if there would be a, a reconciliation uh, between uh, the Biden administration and and the the royal house of Saud uh, would be very very important. And the Saudis look at the United States from a different perspective. I'm not a spokesman for Saudi Arabia, but I can understand them saying, you know, the United States was very hard on the on the Khashoggi issue, the, that horrible uh, murder of the uh, of the Saudi uh, uh, journalist and columnist. 
But the, the Saudis will say, wait a minute, hold it. The United States killed tens of thousands of civilians during this wars in the Middle East. It, it, it looked the other way while a half a million civilians were massacred in Syria. You know, the United States shouldn't be dictating or preaching to anybody about morality in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, we do have a confluence of interest here, personally a confluence of interest on the energy field, but above all on the strategic front uh, in the need to stand up to Iran uh, its proxies in the regions, its terrorist organizations, and now to this front that the uh, that Tehran has made with Moscow. Yeah, such a great point. And going to India in 2023, that's a pretty important moment. I think it was 30 years ago next year that diplomatic ties were formally established between India and Israel. Another example of sort of the growing consensus around the world of countries supporting Israel in this extraordinary time of change in the Middle East. Well, I'm going to age myself here, John. I, I moved to Israel oh, 45 years ago, and we didn't have peace. With, no, never mind peace with with the Gulf countries. We didn't have peace with Jordan. We didn't have peace with Egypt. But we didn't have relations. We didn't have relations with what was then known as the Soviet bloc. That was Russia and 12 countries. We didn't have relations with China. We didn't have relations with 24 out of 26 African countries. Very few relations in South America. And we did not have relations with India. India, India was a hostile country. The Indians wouldn't let our badminton team play there. They wouldn't let our national chess team play there. And today, you know, what Israeli doesn't finish the army and go off to India with a backpack? Um, and they are our, one of our closest friends in the world. When I was in Washington, we used to, use, we used to do a joint Hanukkah party uh, and a Diwali party at the, at the Indian embassy every year. Um, you know, with very spicy latkes. And uh, we, it was a real, a true friendship, a deep, deep friendship. And, um, and it continues. And it's, uh, it, it's strategically a crucial uh, 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 relationship because India has a defense relationship with Israel as well as a diplomatic one. Yeah, very important moment. There was an interesting development over the weekend. Israel deported a French-Palestinian lawyer accusing him of some terrorist activity. This sort of been an important case that's been playing out over time. What's been going on there? Well, it, 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 the French are unhappy about it. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry if the French are unhappy about it. We have to defend our citizens. And if, uh, if there are French nationals here who are involved in terror and are proven to be involved in terror, then they have to bear the consequences. and We have to defend ourselves. Yeah. This was a security decision. That's the most important part. People don't realize that that's, that's really all this was. And we do it all the time in the United States. We're de we deport people all the time who we think pose a risk to our country on our soil. So an interesting moment. What are the most important in the first 90 days of the new government? What are the most important agenda items that you think will occur and must occur for uh, progress to be made in the region? Well, first at home, we have an economic crisis. We have, we have uh, housing prices that are out of control. We have uh, Tel Aviv is now listed number three most expensive city in the world uh, and, a, and a widening social gap between rich and poor. Um, so the, the, the government is going to have to address the internal economic situation. You know, it, it's the economy stupid. But it's, in terms of uh, the strategic threat is, is, the, is the rapidly advancing nuclear program in Iran. And here... It's a very delicate situation because while I believe that the, the regime in Iran is tottering as a result of these uh, very widespread and growing uh, demonstrations in the street, um, that very instability could push that regime to move quickly to create a nuclear weapon. Keep in mind, the, the Iranians remember Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. He gave, gave up his nuclear program and he died. Uh, they remember Saddam Hussein who gave up his nuclear program and died. They remember Zelensky who gave up his nuclear program and got invaded. They look at North Korea. No one messes with the North Koreans. They want to go there. They want to be like North Korea. They want to have that bomb. Uh, 
so that nobody will interfere with them. It's about regime survival. But we can't allow Iran to get that bomb because once it gets that bomb, not only could it use it against us, but it will hold it, that bomb to our head when Iran's terrorist proxies start firing thousands and thousands of rockets at us. And we won't be able to respond the way we, way we need to respond because we'll have that nuclear weapon pressed to our foreheads. And that's an intolerable situation for us. And that could transpire very quickly. Yeah. We're all so busy in our daily lives. It's sometimes hard to remember the tripwire moments that were, are surrounding us in this world. We're in a very important moment in world history. And there are so many different forces at work. And one little shift can create a lot of history quickly. And I think uh, watching those sort of things unfold over the next few months is, is going to be pretty critical for Americans to stay on top of things that we might otherwise ignore. Do you feel like the relationship between the United States and Israel with Netanyahu coming in, Biden being where he is posturing with his own party, heading into another election in 2024, what's the state of that relationship right now? I think the relationship is good. I think it's solid. And um, and you know, I worked with Joe Biden when he was vice president for a long time. He's he, he the guy who has what we say Israel in his heart and is an immense supporter of the, the bilateral relationship and our strategic partnership. That we have. That is not to say that we don't have policy differences. We do. Um, the big issue here is not even one party or another. It's whether America, as the United States of America, is willing to fulfill what we regard uh, as its uh, sacred role as the leader of the free world, whether it's willing to project power, uh, whether it's willing to stand uh, steadfast by its allies. And it's not just Israel that feels this way. It's Germany, Japan, South Korea. We all look to the United States. Uh, to be the leader of our world and our values. And and that's what's crucial here. And this is a, a question I guess maybe the American people have to ask themselves. Are, are you still willing to play that, that policeman's role? It's not an easy role at all. I and mean, there's a price tag with it. And um, it's a hard one. And I often say, and I mean, this is a controversial thing I say, even from, you know, in front of Israeli supporters, I'd rather have a president who's critical of Israel, but is willing to project power in the world than have a president who you know, loves us but is not willing to project power in the world, because ultimately that is Israel's greatest interest, is to have a strong, um, a assertive, and deeply respected United States of America. Yeah, and the last couple of years have shaken some, I think, folks' faith in that belief that America was going to stand strong at every moment. It seems from Afghanistan forward, there's been these moments of doubts on the world stage. I want to turn for just one last second. I was doing some last-minute Christmas shopping. I had a great friend who loves murder mysteries. And of course, I decided, hey, what a perfect gift. I'm going to give him Swan's War, your brand new book. Uh, it is such an amazing, I mean, I take a look at the last two pieces of fiction that you write, because here you are, a man who's been on the front line of history, but you have this extraordinary literary talent. Swan's War, this incredible murder mystery, you know, stuck in the World War II time frame. What's the inspiration and where do you find that outlet to, with all the other things you do in your life with diplomacy and all, to find the time to do this extraordinary literary work? Because these are great, great work. You, you're on radio. You can't see me blush here, but I'm blushing. Uh, thank you. Without that outlet, I probably couldn't deal with the Iran nuclear deal and with the issue and, and with terror and uh, with the peace process that I deal with, because these are very, very weighty issues. And this gives me the perfect escape. Um, Swans were... I grew up with my, my parents' experience. My father fought in World War II. My mother was on the home front in World War II. Um, many of their stories, many of their recollections. I just visited the World War II Museum in, in New Orleans, and I was deeply moved by what I saw there. Um, so personal, so personal. Uh, my father passed away last year. 
And so it was, it was a way of sort of, you know, reaffirming his legacy. Um, and uh, I just, I, the, the, the hero of the story is a woman, Mary Beth Swan. She's a policewoman. Uh, in the 1940s, when there weren't police women, they were called women policemen, who has to, you know, stand up and, and fight for what she believes, but also has to track down a serial killer uh, on an island off the, Mar- off the Massachusetts coast. Um, I just adored writing this book. It was so much fun. And, uh, and I have great respect for her, uh, my own hero. Uh, she's, uh, she's quite, a, quite an individual. But but thank you thank you for for your response it means everything to me. It's a remarkable story and it has so many from the characters to the fourth cliff you know the magical town that it all taking place and it, it just captures so many different elements of the human struggle at the same time telling us a great story. It's one of my favorites. I literally just I literally just picked it up over the weekend for one of my reading friends who loves books. I'm like oh he's gonna love this one. But really great job. Michael, I want to wish you the best for the holidays. And uh, I know next year we're going to need you on a lot because a lot of history is going to be unfolding in the Middle East. But a big thank you for for all the time you spent with us this year, helping us understand all that's going on. Thank you. Thank you, John. Listen, have a peaceful, (laughs) blessed, joyous uh, Christmas and New Year's to all of you, to all your listeners, too. You as well, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest, he's on the front lines of uh, really investigating some of the most important stuff. He was an advisor to President Trump on homeland security and immigration issues. Before that, worked for Senator Ted Cruz, really one of the great security minds in all of Washington. Currently, the Deputy Director of Investigations for America First Legal, which if you were watching our website over the weekend, we had a big story from documents that America First Legal made possible. Joining us right now, my good friend, John Zadrosny. John, great to have you back on. Hey, John, thanks for having me on. 
You are in so many important fights. You're helping expose a lot of different things around the country. But I want to go back to your job in the Trump administration, advising President Trump on immigration and security issues. Title 42 lifting this Thursday morning. I know everybody has been warning this is a tidal wave. It's going to be terrible. How bad is it going to be? Uh, John, I think it's going to be pretty bad. I will say this up front. The Biden administration has selectively enforced Title 42 compared to the Trump administration. So when we were there, Title 42 was one of the most valuable tools we had. Um, we figured it was consistent. You know, if there's going to be a domestic health crisis for the citizens, there should be a domestic health crisis for anyone trying to cross our border legally or otherwise. And we basically said, look, you can't come in. You have to turn around. A lot of people did. Once word got out that you couldn't get in, uh, the, the traffic slowed down dramatically. And that was in conjunction with the other tools like Remain in Mexico and so on. Uh, when the Biden administration came in, they pretty much announced they were going to throw open the doors. They tried to pretend they were keeping Title 42 in place, but we know for a fact they have so many exceptions. The exceptions swallow the rule. That said, I do think it's going to be bad because the reality is the perception of increased openness uh, is just going to cause even more people. Like you've got to figure, John, there are some people who, even with the environment now, may have been on the fence. But when word through the grapevine gets to these countries that Title 42 is down, everyone can come in. You know, it'll get garbled through that telephone game. The cartels will do everything they can to encourage it, and they'll make even more money off of poor people coming to the border, and uh, more people will die as a result. So it's going to be bad. There were some interesting moments. The mayor of Denver, a Democrat, the mayor of El Paso, Texas, a Democrat, beginning to warn that their communities are crumbling as a result of the open border policies of the Biden administration for cities finally to speak up now and, and speak to their own party when they're Democrats. Will that have a long-term effect when Republicans take over in the House, knowing that there are now Democrats telling this president, his leadership, his Homeland Security Secretary, you're actually ruining our communities. Can that have an impact even with all the ideological allegiance there is to an open border right now? John, I have to tell you, I'm not really sure what's going on there because these these cities have been experiencing these problems for more than a year and a half now. Uh, I don't know why the sudden throwing up of arms. A part of me is wondering if there's some sort of play related to Congress where they want to make this look like a Republican congressional problem going into the next Congress. Um, maybe there's some money they're trying to weasel out of Washington as a result of whining. Um, I do think really there's, a, there's probably at least a little bit of honesty, though, where these blue cities after ironically being sanctuary jurisdictions for all this time, are suddenly unhappy with the volume of illegal aliens coming to their jurisdictions. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to have an impact on the party's march. Remember that the party's goal is letting millions of people in as a prelude to amnesty. So this is exactly what they want. I suppose, of course, that the Biden administration and the federal government run by the Democrats is okay with the state suffering because they kind of take that posture to the rest of us. So it's unfortunate. We'll see what happens. I'm not really 100% sure what's at play, though, here, John. It's really strange. Yeah, and it was very noticeable. It's probably the third mayor in two weeks, but two over the weekend alone. There's definitely, I don't believe in accidents in politics, so there's something afoot there, and it's going to be interesting. You mentioned the change of power. January 3rd comes along. Republicans have the House. I know you've thought long and hard about what levers they can pull to try to make the situation better. The power of the purse seems to be the House's greatest weapon. What would you recommend House Republicans do to try to force the Biden administration to just enforce the existing law? I mean, I mean if we just did that, we're in much better shape. Do you think the power of the purse can help create the sort of situation where Biden has to bend a little bit, if not a lot? I absolutely do, John. In fact, I'm really worried about a little bit of what I'm hearing. You know, it depends on who you listen to. Some Republicans are saying we're going to have a lot of aggressive oversight and we're going to touch everything. 
And then there were some saying, well, we're going to be a sober Congress and we're going to do legislation. Legislation in this Congress, in you know, front and center, pretending it's going to pass is a waste of time. The most important the most important thing they could do right now is use their only real oversight power. It always kills me, John. The one power that Congress has that truly can control things and have an impact is the power of the purse. And it's the power they almost never use. But they've just got to start cutting funding. Like we've got a, we've got an FBI that's prioritized uh, parents at school board meetings over child rapists and terrorists. Um, cut the FBI's budget by 10 percent. They've clearly got a lot of free time. Same with DHS. Um, start cutting money for all these ridiculous programs that are wasting federal taxpayer dollars. And the other thing, too, John, is I think they need to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. He's a lawless person. He's a dangerous person. Um, with any luck, there'll be a Republican administration that will pursue criminal charges for his gross negligence while he was in charge. But in the meantime, the least they can do is remove him from office. I'd add that the impeachment really, in some ways, in addition to the spending cuts, are the real oversight in the sense that um, they're not supplying information to Congress. They're probably going to give them a middle finger when we're back in the House. So the best way to get it out of them is to impeach him. Say, look, he hasn't given us information, and we're going to remove him from office. I have a funny feeling that if it got to the point where articles of impeachment passed against him, he would not be allowed to stay. He'd magically want to spend time with his family. But that's okay, because at least we're showing that it's a consequence for people who are violating the law, and uh, we're getting them out of office. And it's going to be harder for them to break the law when people keep leaving. And as the Border Patrol chief once said, there are no consequences to the current open border. And I think that that any consequence would be a step in the right direction after all that we've been through the last couple of years. You have for a long time had the ability to see the full 360 view in Washington. You worked in the Congress. You worked in the White House. You're now overseeing investigations in one of the most influential new America First groups in, in the country. If needed, should Republicans be prepared to shut down this government to force a border solution uh, for this country? If you've got Democratic mayors pleading, there seems to be some political acceptability that going to a tougher line might actually be okay with people. Could this come to a government shutdown and would that be a win for the Republicans? Uh, the short answer is yes, John. I think the reality is there are a lot of things that are broken in this government. I, I don't think there's anything that they haven't broken yet. And if they haven't, it's because they haven't realized they can. Uh, and I think taking a budget, basically a, taking a real budgetary approach, uh, passing spending bills that right-size things, fix things, undo some of the nonsense and poor behavior. And if it doesn't pass, we wait, right? Honestly, the U.S. government is really not serving the American people right now. And if it shut down for a while, I don't think that really hurts anyone. In fact, it probably helps. The, the left is really good at optics, cosmetics, and drama. And so what they'll do is they'll have lots of videos. It's like what Obama did during the shutdown of a few years ago when he put artificial barricades around the open air World War II monument, right? They'll, they'll talk about um, things being closed. But the reality is most essential services will always continue to function in a shutdown. Uh, most Americans who are unemployed are not going to shed a tear for the uh, fat and happy federal employees who will get all their money back at the end of the process anyway. And uh, I think Republicans should stick to their guns. There's this myth in the Republican circle, John, that shutdowns politically hurt the Republicans. I think that's wrong. I think it's never hurt the Republicans. I think it's always helped the Republicans, um, at least in recent history. And uh, I think they should go for it. If you, if you don't fight on spending bills, you're not actually fighting. Yeah, pretty extraordinary moment. If you don't use that power of the purse, you have no one to blame but yourself, because that is the most powerful tool that our founding fathers gave the House. And, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how power is wielded in this new leadership team that is coming in. 
Over the weekend, we were the beneficiaries of a really interesting document. And it's a snapshot in time, but it really gives a sense of just how dysfunctional things are in the Maricopa County, Arizona election offices. We did a story maybe about a month ago, like a, a decade worth of problems. I mean, it used to be that it was the mainstream media and Democrats that were complaining about Maricopa. Now it's the Republicans, but the problems have never stopped. An email where one of the county recorder officials writes, they can't reconcile about 15,000 votes. There's a disparity in votes. This is America. We're in the 21st century with all the technology. Pretty jarring to think that the day after the election, there is a question about 15,000 votes. Yeah, John, it's very disturbing. Uh, America First Legal filed a FOIA request with Maricopa County, and we received nine pages back, only nine pages. Uh, we're sure there's a lot more. We're working on that. But I will say that the what we did get back was very telling. Like you said, they basically admitted um, Stephen Risher, who's one of the election officials in Maricopa County, admitted we're unable to reconcile the SOS listing, the Secretary of State's listing, with our estimates. And that had a difference of about 15,000 votes. It's 15,664 votes, to be precise. Uh, that's a problem, uh, not just because, but because that's pretty close in terms of what could have made a difference in this election or made it a hell of a lot closer. Um, you know, and it's like, honestly, what I'm seeing, what we're seeing right now in Maricopa County and in Arizona, it reminds me of what Joseph Stalin once said, which is it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the votes. And we had an amazingly corrupt scenario where Katie Hobbs, I think, committed one of the greatest heists of the 21st century by simply using her office to put a thumb on the scale to achieve a victory. Um, and uh, if that's the case, there need to be uh, there needs to be an awful lot of additional scrutiny. But the reality is, it looks like Maricopa County had some issues. We may have some other information on this front, John, coming up soon on another county. Uh, the reality is, there are some real issues that require real scrutiny. And at some point, we're going to have to come up with. We're just going to have to get back to normal voting. I, I know there are, there are a lot of barriers to. Um, you know that right now we've got to, we have mail-in voting in a lot of states. We have extreme early voting in a lot of states. You know Republicans are just going to have to use that to, to their advantage where they can until such time as the rules can be changed. But there's something to be said for going back to normal voting again. And all of these different tools um, are getting causing weird issues. I'd also say this: somehow we were able to know who was elected on election night since the advent of the telegraph in the 19th century, and yet somehow it's only in the last 10 years where people keep counting day, days past an election, um, to me that indicates fraud because that indicates that someone needs, they need to know the delta over which they need to overcome. And you can only know that on election night. And we've really got to get back to a system where we're looking at paper, where the paper is monitored and reliably counted, scrutinized. It's got to be like a casino, basically. I feel like, we, why do we have more security in, in American casinos than we do in every polling place in the United States? Um, we absolutely need to get back to we, we need to we need to have a casino act, basically making every election site as secure as a casino in terms of surveillance and security. Well, it's an amazing moment in our history. And I think people are beginning to realize that having an election month doesn't make sense, especially when the Constitution calls it an election day. We're still litigating. There was just a hearing a few hours ago in Arizona where a judge is you know, legitimately looking at issues that Kerry Lake has brought to the forefront. And that's not what Americans want to be doing, which is having a debate six, seven weeks. It's still not sure they can trust the results that were announced and, and certified. It's so remarkable that we're living in that moment. I think people are tiring of it pretty quickly. I want to turn to something else because there are moments in history where a little story tells or a little factoid tells a really big story. And I thought America First Legal did this in the last month with a lawsuit and then a request for 
an IG investigation. But here we are in the midst of the greatest border crisis in American history. A quarter million people a month nearly coming over that we're detecting, maybe in half as many more crossing without any intervention or interaction with them. And we have DOJ employees worried about what pronouns and preferred names are going to be used in immigration court. This was some documents. I think it was an internal DOJ memo from just October. So you just got it recently. Unbelievable that the focus is on pronouns, not the security of the border or the 98 terrorists that came across or the crushing influx of migrants. This ideological mindset seems to have leapfrogged over the reality of the security of the border. How does that happen? That's an excellent question, John. Uh, this this uh, cancer of uh, uh, IED, they call it DEI, but I want to call it IED uh, because it's blowing everything up. Uh, it really, to me, seems really, it's almost, it's a combination of things. It's like they are trying to destroy things, but also vet the federal workforce at the same time. So they want to destroy the effectiveness of the federal government. So what better way to do it than put all this nonsense into the, the course of everyone's day and force people to learn and concentrate, not concentration, but like re-education camp type environments. Uh, but they're also going to be able to weed out the people who might be a little concerned about this direction, right? And I, I think, you know, in addition to the indoctrination, they want to have people like you and me pulled out of the federal government because they know you and I actually want security and would do our jobs. They want people who are obsessed with the cosmetics and don't care about the law. And um, it's really disturbing. And it's one minor example, like you said, but it is very telling. And I have a funny feeling it is duplicated dozens of times a day in every single federal agency. And uh, what's really this administration has caused a tremendous amount of damage. But like with most things, including immigration, I think everything they touch, everything they do, it's intentional. It's not accidental. And they're hoping that basically the federal government stops working for you and me. And it just becomes this sort of, uh, I don't know, this entity that just serves the powerful. And it's really disgusting. And we really have to do something about it. And hopefully we can win a few elections in the future to fix these things. We'll find out. There's an amazing attachment where literally DOJ officials are attending a mandatory one-hour session. And they're being taught about a gingerbread man to desensitize them that maybe there aren't male and female genders. And I just keep thinking, if you're out in the real world and you realize that your food bill has gone up 20% this year, your gas bill has gone up 35%, you might have to lower your thermostat just to make ends meet. Do you really want your government focused on a genderbred cartoon or would you like them actually solving some of the things that are making your life so much more difficult in America? The disconnect between elitism, which is what seems to run through some of these agencies and their bureaucrats, and then the real life realities and needs of everyday Americans. I think the gap seems bigger than at any time in my 35 years as a reporter. It keeps widening. What do you think is going to take it? What is the shock paddles that actually maybe get people to realize, hey, we got to stop this? John, I don't know. This all seems to fit to me under the communist playbook. And that might sound dramatic, but I think it's true in the sense that if you want to create a revolution, so to speak, you have to break the most basic elements of reality into pieces and rebuild them to fit your needs. Right. So what's what's more basic than man and woman? Um, it's mentioned in the Bible. Like it's, the, it's not something we made up recently. It's not propaganda. So, yeah, they have to break everything that we've come to know as part of normal society into pieces. And you can tell who is going to be who are going to be your foot soldiers by how easily they comply. Um, and it's just to me, it just seems like something you do when you're trying to 
gaslight an entire country into believing everything you think is right. Um, and it's also a distraction, by the way. It's like you said, what's the thing that's going to cause um, the, that that's tipping point, that switch? I, I don't know. I, I would have thought a lot of people being unemployed would be a big deal, but that doesn't seem to bother people. Um, I, I'm wondering what the thing was, and I'm hoping, you know, I don't hope this happens, but I, I think there's going to be some sort of, I worry there's going to be some sort of security incident, some sort of terrorist attack or something domestically where someone finally says, this is enough. Um, but I don't know, because I feel like the American people have been so, so desensitized to every form of abuse by this government that there's just, I, I don't know what's going to be that thing that pushes them over the edge. Yeah, it is remarkable. And I think when you mention that, I can't tell you the number of people in the Border Patrol, FBI, Homeland Security that have reached out to me personally, privately over the last six months as a journalist saying the single biggest fear they have is that with all of the chaos at the border, with all the openness, with all the failure to enforce, that the next terror cell or two terror cells or three terror cells that might carry out the next terror attacks are already here. They got in. It was easy. And we know that terrorists were thinking this way because there was a recent plot uncovered to kill former President George W. Bush that relied on sneaking people across the border to do it because it was porous. You were one of the most important voices in Homeland Security inside the Trump administration. Is there a fear that enough of the bad guys have gotten in now that something is inevitable? John, I think so. I've, I've talked to enough colleagues uh, who feel that way. Um, so you said it perfectly, basically, that the people who could cause a threat are probably already here. Um, there are a lot of people who are coming to the United States illegally. Uh, they don't all qualify for asylum. In fact, a small fraction probably actually qualifies for asylum. But most of them are not terrorist threats, admittedly. Uh, but if people like that can get in, then the people who are determined to do us harm can also get in. The reality, too, is by their own numbers, the Biden administration has let in approximately four million people over the last two years. Um, that actually that window actually includes like the first couple months of the Trump administration when no one was getting in. So those numbers are pretty high. It was a fiscal year number, fiscal year 21 and then fiscal year 22. You put, add to that 4 million, the hundreds of thousands of quote unquote gotaways or people who were initially being pursued by Border Patrol and weren't act, ultimately apprehended and they got into the country. But there's a whole other category. There's the unknown, unknown category, John. The number of people who sneak in across the country and never have any engagement with law enforcement. And you've really got to ask yourself this question. In, an in a super permissive environment where the Biden administration has all but said, come on in. And people are showing up at the border with shirts saying, Biden, please let us in. And the Border Patrol is basically just facilitating the transportation of legal aliens across the country to the tune of millions. Why wouldn't you turn yourself in? Why are you wearing camouflage with, in carrying a rifle? Um, why are you not getting noticed? Why do you not want to be noticed? Why are you not in that group of people turning yourselves in? And I don't have a good answer other than to say that they must be a threat of some type. Maybe they're cartel members. Um, I have a funny feeling cartel hubs have set up uh, domestic distribution hubs because it's easier now. There's no security whatsoever. So, but may, not all of them are not all of them are from the Northern Triangle. I'll bet you quite a few of them are from abroad. And I remember one story that always sticks out with me, John. I talked to a Border Patrol agent. Um, most of them speak. I think almost all of them have to speak fluent Spanish because you just can't really be a Border Patrol agent on our border and not speak Spanish. And one guy was telling me how he got about. He was talking to a group of guys they'd apprehended, probably from you know mix of Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, chatting with them. He got about three sentences in with a small group of that bigger group, and uh, they didn't answer him, and he couldn't figure out why. It turns out they didn't speak Spanish. They had about three lines of Spanish well rehearsed, um, and when they dug a little deeper, it turns out those guys spoke Farsi. Um, maybe they were terrorists. Maybe they weren't. But the reality is that you've got people coming from all over the world who understand the security 
gap we've got. It's an intentional gap designed by this administration. And uh, those stories and others remind me that we are, we're kind of just begging for something bad to happen. I'm not rooting for it to happen, John, to be clear, but I do worry it's going to happen. I do worry whatever's going to cause that harm is already sitting here, you know, staring at, staring at people waiting for the day when they're going to pull the trigger, so to speak. So we'll see. I hope not. So important. So very, very important. John, a lot of things are going to happen in the next few days. People are going to wake up to the reality of what life looks like after Title 42. January 3rd, Republicans take over. What's their number one priority? What's the first thing they should make a statement about on the morning that they take over? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. I would say that they really have to, if they're going to introduce any legislation at all, the first thing they should introduce is a security-focused immigration bill. Um, you know, something short and sweet, something that makes security possible, not just throwing a lot of money at a problem and doing symbolic things, but meaningful, meaningful things. Uh, I'm under no delusion that the, this administration is going to pass any of that, but uh, we have to start taking those initial steps. And um, yeah, there are so many things that could be that number one item, but for me, that's it, because you just have to accept the reality that as the House of Representatives, you have a li limited amount of authority. But you can cut spending. You could send a few messages with a few good bills, and you just look under that administration with a microscope as much as you possibly can and make it as uncomfortable for them to break the law as possible. Yeah, so, so important. John, really great stuff. How do people follow all the good work at America First Legal? Well, thank you, John. Anyone who wants to come see what we've got to do, including some of our documents and recent fines and recent litigation, please come to aflegal.org. That's alphafranklegal.org. And if you happen to be working for a government or a company and you want to report some weird behavior, come to our website. Please give us a shout. We'd love to help you out if we can. Yeah, such an important resource and doing amazing work, exposing things that are going on in our government that nobody had any idea. Such an important thing. I want to thank you so much for the time today, John. I wish you an early Merry Christmas. Thank you, John. You have a Merry Christmas as well. Thank you again. You as well. We'll be talking to you after the new year for sure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up in a few seconds. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So grateful you can join us. A big thank you to Ambassador Oren. If you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, his Swan War is such an amazing book. I gave it away as a gift, in fact, just this weekend. Swan's War, one of the great fiction books written in 2022. You can get it on Amazon. Go check that out. A big thank you also to John Zadrosi and all the folks at America First Legal, where we do a lot of investigative reporting and get help from. They brought us some really important information in the last week, as you heard 
on the interview with John. Now, also remember, if you're trying to take advantage of that Omaha Steak offer before the Christmas Day, go to omahasteaks.com, use the code word JUSTNEWS, one word, you're going to get an extra $30 off on top of 50% off on the site right now. That is a deal. Give a great tasting food for Christmas, something you can grill on the grill or put in the oven, chicken, filet mignon, steaks, burgers, pork chops, you name it. Omaha Steaks makes the best of it. They're a favorite of my family. A lot of my relatives got that for Christmas gifts this year because I love that. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And remember, go check Just the News out tonight before you go to bed. We'll have that big breaking story on the Justice Department spying on the House Intelligence Committee. Pretty big story altogether. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.